Wow, it's great to be in Scotland. My name's Hutchison, and in, in tracing my roots, that goes back to Scottish roots. And uh, I have no idea what it means, but apparently our family emigrated from many years ago in the 15th century to Northern Ireland. You won't know it, but that's actually where I was born. How many thought that I was from Northern Ireland? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody ever thinks that. So my family emigrated. My grandfather actually used to pastor in Uddingston. And in Pew Park, not far from here, and Steve, I think when you were little that uh, you might have even been there for some time. So we love, in our home, we love anything tunics. We love Iron Brew. And uh, I won't tell you what football team in Glasgow I support. We just, we won't go there. But uh, no, it's really, really awesome to be with you today. And uh, man, there's such a freedom. And you guys have amazing pastors and uh, amazing when you see just the entire family uh, just amazing when you step in here to church there's a sense of an open heaven that we're meeting with the Lord because it's his day and I tell you there not every church is like this church but when you come into a house where there's an expectation where there's a hunger for God to do something Get ready, watch out, God is going to be on the move. Turn neighbor and say, get ready, get ready, get ready. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Well, uh, I think I've got a picture of my family. As Pastor Stevie said, um, uh, my family, we, we, in our family, we like to do hugs, not drugs. And so we're in that stage of just loving our kids uh, We've got Emily there between Tara and I. Tara and I have been married 16 years, and uh, we're in our 17th year. Time is going by now way too fast. Tara's still 21. I don't know how it's possible, <laughs> 17 years at 21, but, but there you go. Emily, we were told when we were married, we were told that we would never normally have children. There was no way we could have children. We tried everything. We went for IVF and and uh, Tara got her first needle in preparation for that. And then there was a federal election called. My wife is a, was a senior policy advisor for the government in Canada, and we were separated for 12 weeks during campaign season. And uh, we were devastated because it meant another 12 weeks before we could attempt to see, you know, signs help us. What we didn't know was that there was a lady came to Tara during the election day and said, God's going to give you a child. In fact, you're not going to be pregnant. You already are pregnant. And, um, you know, we'd had so many words. And, and I said, Tara, that's okay. But, and, and we did so many pregnancy tests during that time that we would try to get a positive answer. And I, I said, let's spend the $23. We'll get an electronic one. It'll just say yes or no. And she comes running through the door. Yes. We went back to the doctor that said it wasn't possible, and they said, we couldn't explain why you couldn't, now we can't explain why you can, but I know the answer. <laughs> it's the Lord. Isn't he good? So Emily, Connor, Callum, they're, they're our gifts. Callum is our kind of red-headed ginger Irish boy, and um, he, he's got spunk. And uh, so that's our family. We, we had the privilege, Tara and I, of pastoring in Ottawa, Canada, so my family emigrated from Northern Ireland when I was 10. We planted a church in Ottawa. 
in the nation's capital where 0.6% would call upon Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. We went in and, and God gave us a house to be a house of prayer for all nations. And some pastors even said to us, you'll never pastor all nations, you're the wrong color. But by God's grace, last year over 70 nations would say Peace Tower Church was our home. We had 53 nations every Sunday and God began to do a wonderful thing. And one Sunday, we had Pastor Gary Skinner come and preach in our church, and we would bring Pastor Gary in Maryland from Africa every so often when they were in Canada. And he, he got a hold of me after the service. He said, Jonathan, would you ever consider coming on the team to Watoto? And I thought to myself, no way. Do you know what God's doing here? Why would I want to leave? And then God began to just use individuals and I never would want to be someone to get in the way of God's plan. A month journey of praying. And it's very best for my life. And Tara and I began a, a three-month journey of praying. And then a transition process. And we landed together. We left our church. Peace Tower Church sent us out as missions workers with the assemblies to serve at Watoto. They're our prayer covering our church family. But now we're part of Watoto Church family too. And we have the privilege and honor of representing Watoto in the UK. And just on behalf of Gary and Marilyn pastors, Pastor Stevie, they bring you greetings today. And I just want to say thank you, Whitburn Pentecostal Church, for loving and supporting and coming alongside the ministry of Watoto for many years. Thank you for picking up the cause of, of the vulnerable child. Thank you for caring for the vulnerable widow. Literally, lives are being changed. As well, on a very personal note, I have to say a really big thank you because Jean Lang is now our new finance assistant at Watoto UK. So we're so blessed that there's a big part of Whitburn Pentecostal Church on the Watoto team. You can't beat Scotland, can you? Now, don't tell them this in England. Don't say anything. I hope it's not online right now. God bless the whole United Kingdom, but Scotland's got something special. Amen. Amen. Well, we've, I've got a little video I'd like to share with you today, a little bit about Watoto. This video is of a young man called Livingston, and so you could turn your eyes to the projectors for a few moments and hear a little bit about his story. Livingston, I couldn't think of a better name being in Scotland than telling you his story. And I just thought of that right now. It wasn't genius. It's just God's design. It's really amazing. Livingston is, uh, grew up in Watoto, and, and you can hear his story there. And He's now one of our great young leaders that we have in the church, and he's really developing. And uh, his story was one that when you go into it, you see the commitment 
to raise the next generation. And for those of us that are parents, grandparents, aunts, or uncles, raising a generation, like it, it, it's easier going to work. But when they say your first ministry is at home, that can be challenging. Teenagers go through mood swings. Parents of teenagers, we're praying for you today. <laughs> grandparents you go through different things you've got multiple generations do we have any great grandparents in the house we got great grandparents but in all these things don't we see the faithfulness of our lord and we see his goodness and so we've seen that in livingston and livingston represents over 5,000 leaders that have come through that have been raised up in Watoto over the years and currently today <clears throat> Excuse me, there are now 3,000 children between the ages of a few days old all the way up to about 25 at the Watoto villages that are under the care and love of Watoto. Every, every Watoto village, there are four major villages in Uganda. Uh, each one of these four villages have a, anywhere from about 500 to 1,000 children. They have excellent medical care schools, and the church is at the center of everything. And these young people are being raised with visions and dreams to impact their country, their continent, and the world for Jesus. <clears throat> Let me tell you, there, God is going to do something from Africa. God is raising up a new day, and there's a new sound that's being raised up. And uh, we see it when the choir, how many love the ministry of the choir? And they, they just impact, but in the video that you see a young man in the choir video called Fred that at the age of about approximately around 10 years of age said, when I grow up, I want to be a pilot. Today, he's a pilot. We're seeing God raise up lawyers and teachers. And so thank you for those of you that have as well sown over the years to the ministry. There's good soil there. I'm personally there and there's good fruit that's coming out. And thank you for sowing into that good soil. As well, we have Keep a Girl in School program, which is in Uganda, but also in South Sudan. South Sudan is the world's youngest country. And today in South Sudan alone, through the ministry of Watoto, 12,000 girls are getting an education today, keeping girls in school. It's amazing what God's doing, and there's so much more that I could tell you about, but I want to say thank you. Thank you for praying and coming alongside the Living Stones because today God is doing special. We're right now in Watoto Church this past Sunday. Approximately 35,000 people came together to celebrate the name of Jesus and to care for community. And what I love is, is just like Watoto, Whitburn, you are a church that celebrates Jesus. And it's very evident. I, I, was, I was stalking you online. I went onto your website, and I saw it about the food bank and your great heart for your community. So as I've been praying, I, I, I'm not one of these people that can bring a generic message. Just not me. I've been pastoring too long because shall not prevail against it. I believe every local church has a unique vision, a unique calling, a unique context, a unique sphere of influence that God intends a local church to walk in and move in. So today, I've been praying for you all week, and it is a privilege today to bring to you the word of the Lord. Can we turn in our Bibles this morning to Ruth chapter 2? Ruth chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, and, <clears throat> and uh, we'll, we'll read the word of the Lord here, beginning at Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. I'm reading from the ESV version, which is more of a, 
American version, I guess, even though they call it the English Standard Version, but I'll read from the overhead projectors. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Emelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz. Turn neighbor and say, as it turned out. Who was from the clan of Emelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me, don't go and glean in any other field, in any another field, and don't go away from here, stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told you, told the men not to lay a hand on you, and whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Let's pray together. Father, we, we thank you for the word of the Lord. We thank you for the sense of presence, your presence that's here today. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. You are the Spirit of the Lord. Help us not resist you, but flow with you. Help us be sensitive to your nudges. Quicken our thoughts. Quicken our innermost man with God thoughts. That we would be led not of the flesh, but of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Jesus, we pray that you would be highly exalted. We pray that your purposes and wills for our lives would go forth. That as we've come around your word, that vision would be released. That comfort would come to the hurting. That strength would come to those that are weak. I thank you for vision strength, and comfort. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, and all God's people said, amen, amen. We live in a, in a different day than we did in the 1980s, than even five years ago. It is amazing how our world is always changing. You know, how many remember the days of CDs? Most of us. How many remember the days of cassette tapes? Anyone remember those, those round things? What were they called? I'm just teasing. Record players. 
it's amazing that technology has so advanced, but the nature of people really hasn't. The, the nature of the, the human condition hasn't really happened. You know, Pastor Stevie and, and, and the family, we've been talking about our world today, and it's amazing how at the very root of people, human nature hasn't really changed. Not just over the last 40 years, but thousands of years. And it's really amazing that as you go back, what, what we think that in science and technology we could pro progress beyond, we are still dealing with the same things today. In fact, when Boaz was talked about in Ruth chapter 2, verse 1, it was during the time of the judges. And it says in the book of Judges that everyone did what was right in their own eyes. I think in a lot of ways that sounds like our world today. That everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Well, if it feels good for you, go ahead and do it. You can hear that all the time. A younger generation that would be a little younger than me, hey, if, it, if it's the right thing, you go for it. But God has set things that are right and things that are unrighteous. And Israel was in moral decay because it says that everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And it's interesting that as everyone did what was right in their own eyes, there was a natural famine in Israel which reflected a famine of spiritual calling out to God who was their Lord. There was a famine in Israel, but I'm always thankful for men and women, no matter what is going on in the culture around them, choose to align their lives and following of that of the kingdom of God. That no matter, there's always going to be a remnant. There's always going to be those that no matter what culture says, do this or do that, that they choose not to do what is right in their own eyes, but they want to choose what is right before God to honor the Lord in their lifestyle. And I'm thankful that Boaz was one of those men. Boaz was a man that in the midst of a famine that was in Israel that took Naomi to Moab, where Ruth came into the picture, but then by, his, by Boaz's faithfulness, he was always sowing seed, and there was a harvest that soon other nations heard about. Boaz, his name means valiant one. It's thought of some that perhaps he could have been a distinguished warrior. Perhaps he would have hung out with Bear Gryllis back in the day, a former SAS paratrooper, who knows? But oftentimes we think of men in the Bible as weak men. But Boaz was very strong. You see, it takes the strength and courage of the Spirit and the boldness of God to seek after God and to live for God when it's not always convenient, when it's not always the most popular thing to do. The real ones with strength are saying, I'm going to honor and follow the Lord no matter the cost. Boaz was one of those men where culture would dictate a falling away he, choose, he chose to keep his eyes fixed on the Lord. So that's what he did. He sowed seed in, in Bethlehem, meaning house of bread. 
Bethlehem, a little village just about five or eight miles south of Jerusalem. Not too far, kind of like Whitburn to Edinburgh. Maybe a little bit that, that context. It was a farming community. They sowed a lot of olives were raised there, wheat and barley, and it was quite prosperous. And, and God's blessing was on that part of the land where they were having a harvest where nations around them were in complete famine. It was like an open heaven. They could sow the soil, sow the seed into the soil, and the seed would grow. Where are you sowing seed into? Where are you sowing the resources that God's brought in your life? Because in many ways, I don't think that Boaz and Ruth and Naomi lived in a time much unlike where we live today. But I think that Boaz gives us a call to ask us the question of, where do we sow our seed? I thought about that. I thought about Boaz maybe coming back from the battlefield being this distinguished, valiant warrior, a man, or what the NIV might say, a worthy man. Coming back into his community, to where his clan was, it actually detailed his family, Amalek. See, there's blessings in families. That's God's design for families. And so it actually tells you what family he's part of. Stevie, part of the Roy family. You're part of the Roy family. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's a pretty good thing. It's a pretty good thing. So his family name's recognized. It details the land that he would have lived in. And, and he would have been there for a long time because God had a portion where each clan would even live. And he was living exactly where he was called to be. I think wherever you are right now, God has a call and a plan for where you are. For your street, for your neighborhood, for your school, for your workplace, if you're in a season of retirement, God's best days are yet ahead. Wherever God ha it has you right now, there are things that he desires to use you in powerful ways. I thought of Boaz, and you know, in farming, he was probably sowing seed for barley. That's what most commentaries would, would often think. And he was sowing the seed. How many know much about seeds? I am not an expert in seeds. But what I can tell you is this, that seeds by their nature grow and reproduce, and seeds bear fruit to more seeds. And so over time, he's sowing seeds again and again and again, he's sowing seeds. He's sowing seeds, and what I want to tell you about is every time you submit what you have to Jesus, and you're sowing seeds Watch out for the divine connections and the breakthroughs and the new levels of kingdom living that God can bring you into. It doesn't say in the Bible how long that Boaz was sowing those seeds. Maybe he was sowing five years. Maybe he was sowing 20 years. I don't know. All that we know from the book of Ruth is that Boaz refers to himself as an old man. He actually goes up to Ruth and say, why would you have anything to do with an old man like me? I won't go any further than that today. <laughs> but I think he'd been sowing the seed for a long time. Faithful. We see that in the New Testament. 
Be faithful in the little, and I will give you authority over much. And so Boaz, because his mind is set in the Lord, is sowing again and again and again. Why did he keep sowing? Well, it says in Leviticus some very interesting things. Leviticus 19 actually tells farmers how to sow seed. It says, when you reap or gather the gleanings, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 24, 19 to 22, likewise, tell tell. God's people this, when you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back to get it, leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord, your God, may bless you in all the works of your hands. Do not forget the Lord, your God. That gives you the strength to gain wealth. We live in a privileged place of life. Just by being here in Whitford and Pentecostal Church today, don't we? Sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we can so easily forget the others that are around. And Pastor Stevie, you were mentioning when the mining industry collapsed. And in eastern Canada, the same thing happened. The mining coal industry collapsed and it affected a lot of people for a long time. In fact, the effects are still being felt in certain families today. All I can do is when I read those thing, scriptures, I'm like, Lord, you have been so kind to me. Lord, you have been so good to me. You've given me a home. You've given me three children. Now, most of the time, I do thank the Lord for them. But every so often, <laughs> every so often. But Lord, you've been so, so good to me. There's a song that I sing, probably some of you know it. It's been so, so good to me. It takes me to that place, Lord, without you, without the Lord, where would I be? Without the Lord, where would you be? And I think God in his wisdom sets these scriptures even for our lives today, not just for the Boazes, to be very intentional to how we sow seed, but also in how we manage our time and our relationships. He's actually calling Israel to be a little bit inefficient in some ways. You know, pastoring, I countered this all the time. Pastor, I'm too busy to go to prayer meeting. Now, I know that would never happen here in Whitburn, but I had it all the time. Pastor, I'm too busy for this. Perhaps the Lord is calling some of them, just like there was a margin left, to remember that it's the Lord that brought it, that we should have harvest in certain areas of our lives. I think the New Testament calls us to walk in. I think we need to have margin built into our lives to spend time with Jesus every day. How is that margin in your life? Are you crowding out time with Jesus? Do you have margin in your life to pour into relationships? How is that happening in your life? You know, demands are very busy. Emails are constant. Everyone's 
connected on Facebook and Snapchat and TikTok, and I don't know what the next thing will be next week. Who knows? I can't keep up with it. And we think we're connected, but we're actually sometimes extremely disconnected from the presence of God and the life that He calls us to live in. And so I've been challenged this week, and I mean, listen, I, I don't want Judas to feel convicted. I myself have had to take inventory and say, Jonathan, how are the margins in your life? Because if you're not giving space for God to move, how can you expect that breakthrough? How can you expect that new beginning if space isn't carved out to seek God? If space isn't carved out in the abundance that he gives to be able to sow and invest into others. Man, I was convicted by that. I was convicted by that. So I've built certain things into my life over many, many years. But isn't it amazing that God can just press his hand on you sometimes? What would the Spirit of God, what would Holy Spirit be saying to you right now for your life? Where you're living for him in the kingdom. What are some areas of margin of sowing seed that you could maybe be a little bit more Inefficient. We talk about efficiency and systems. They're important, but not at the price of that place where we give way to the miraculous that God can bring in, to the favor of God and divine appointments. That freedom to let the Spirit of God breathe on things by His grace. You see, when we live a life like that, it's attractive. It was that space of leftover, of abundance, of seed that was attractive to Ruth that even Naomi knew about. It was that space that she had heard about even in another country. Let me tell you, people will go anywhere for fresh bread. <sighs> when you walk into a bakery and you smell fresh bread, I don't think there's many things that can compare to that. Oh, when my wife had a bread-making machine, I put on way too much weight. Because I'd wait down and, oh man, fresh bread, I want to put real butter on that, not margarine. I'm not talking margarine, I'm talking real butter on fresh bread. That's a little piece of heaven on earth right there, people. Anyway, sorry, that's the Canadian coming out, and please forgive me. But, but it was that place of freshness. You see, where, where we're letting God in control, there's always a freshness in our spirits. There's always that sense of, Lord, we're going to let you breathe. That's highly attractive to the roots that are seeking God, but also attractive to the Naomi's that have lost hope. Because where there's fresh bread in the house, it attracts those that are chasing after the things of God. But equally so, it's also attractive to those that have lost hope. And I, I just feel to declare that right now. That as you're chasing after God, the presence of God, I saw it time and time again in Ottawa where we would call after God to move in an open heaven and chase after the things of God. And people that had lost hope would come start walking through the doors. They didn't understand the raising of hands. And sometimes we'd speak in tongues and they must have thought we were from another planet. But week after week, tears would come down their faces because they sensed the presence of the living God. 
Where there is fresh bread in the house, it brings hope to the hopeless and it strengthens those that are chasing after God. Whitburn, don't lose your sense of chasing after the presence of God. Watch who God will bring into the house. So God brings Ruth and Naomi. And Naomi takes an initiative because, because Naomi's lost all hope. So Ruth says, I'll go to a field and maybe I'll find favor with somebody. So she goes and it's actually dangerous at this time. Because Boaz, we like to think that maybe all of Israel was honoring the word of the Lord. Here's what God's word it says about the general culture of what Israel dealt with about Leviticus 19 and Deuteronomy 24. Job 2, 24, 3-4 says this. They drive away the donkey of the fatherless. They take the widow's ox for a pledge. They thrust the poor off the road. The poor of the earth all hide themselves. Psalm 94 verse 6 says this about what was happening in Israel. Probably during the time of Boaz. And I think it's very interesting that David probably penned this scripture. They kill the widow and the surgeoner. That would have been Ruth. And murder the fatherless. Isaiah 1.23 says this. Your princes and rebels and, companion, and companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bribe and runs after gifts. They do not bring justice to the fatherless. And the widow's cause does not come to them. Isaiah 10 verse 2. The Lord's rebuking Israel here. He says to turn aside from the needy from justice. And to rob the poor of my people of their right. That widows may have their spoil. And that they make the fatherless they their prey. Jeremiah says this, calling Israel to repentance for God to restore Israel. This is one of the things that they needed to repent of. He says this, if you do not oppress the sojourner, the fatherless, or the widow, or shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not go after gods to your own harm, then I will let you dwell in this place, the land that I gave you of old to your fathers forever. That's Jeremiah 7. Six to seven. What was happening in Boaz's day was very serious. What was happening was, was that the abundance wasn't being left gathering it. And just like in other fathers in Israel had done, a lot of people were dedicating those to false gods. Sometimes as, you know, living in a society that had so many Christian roots for so long, we see that the God of mammon is still at work today. But as God's people, we have to remember how he calls us to live and to honor the Lord in these things. Because as we connect upwards with God, he'll connect us outwards with other people. Bringing us into connection with people that he would love to bring into the kingdom of God. Boaz shows love. Love towards God. That is freely extended openly to others. What I love about Jesus was this. Jesus was always willing to be open with people. Wasn't he? Sometimes he would rebuke you. Like when Jesus walked into the temple, he rebuked. He rebuked. He turned over tables. But he was open with you. 
you knew exactly what Jesus was thinking. Even when the disciples couldn't figure out some of the parables, they go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I really don't understand this story you're saying. Jesus was open with them. Pastor Stevie, you mentioned a little bit earlier in the service about miracles. Jesus moved in so many miracles. He had that heart of compassion for people. The compassionate heart of God. I, I think that as we connect up, we connect out with compassion. Get ready for the miracles and the divine appointments that God, because he's God, will do. It takes time to develop that, to build margin around our hot lives, but as the Lord is our priority. Watch what he'll do. You know what he's calling us to do this morning? It's really simple. And you've heard it all before. But John 13, 35. If you love one another. And it's an interesting that in God, in 19, Leviticus 19 and Deuteronomy 24, that that love with, with God meant that he could not, not love those that would come to receive and those they would come across. Love is powerful. The world, we are a witness to the world for our love to one another. Easier said than done, though, isn't it? Kids are school. You got the laundry on a Monday morning. Well, I don't know about you, but sometimes in my non-sanctified self, sometimes you have frustrations. But you know what? I'm committed to raising my kids in a loving home. I let them know every day, not just in my words. That is my first ministry to my home. His said, covenant keeping love. The love that God offers our lives is more committed to us than we could ever love in any shape, form, or fashion. God's love never fails. His love never gives up, and it'll never run out on you. I want to tell you that God's got an open door to you right today. God is not mad with you, He's mad about you. He's in love with you. He is thinking about you all the time. He knows the very hairs that are numbered on my head. And the older I get, the less hairs there are. So sometimes I think about that scripture. Does God actually care less about me now? No, no. He's thinking about me all the time. He's thinking God is not mad with us mad about us and we have that privilege that as we sow seed look at how God will bring have you ever considered how you relate to people Monday to Saturday terrorists started working at Parliament Hill we just planted the church a year and God opened this amazing door and she started right at the very bottom she started as an executive assistant and God just brought promotions into her life and she worked very hard for that and Tara would always bring lots of people to Peace Tower Church. She, she, the pastor's wife was, went in for the choir. And, and Tara, when I would go visit Tara on the hill, it was very interesting. We'd do lunch 
in what's called center block, where the MPs and all those people would meet. And I would go up, and they've got their big guns, and, and you need an appointment to get in. And it was interesting. They said, who are you? I said, my name is Jonathan. Jonathan, you're not on the list. I was never on the list because all I had to say next was this. I'm Tara's husband. Oh, come on right in, Jonathan. <laughs> Tara made an effort to love all the security guards, the recyclers, the cleaners, people that no one else would notice. Tara made an effort to notice everybody, to sit them in the eye and say, good morning. Recycling guy would come in, thank you for taking out the recycling. When she would go to the chef, oh, I love that she poured into the chef because I always got double bacon for breakfast. <laughs> Man, I walked in such favor because my wife loved people simply, openly. When we were transitioning from Peace Tower Church, we brought in the choir. Tara had been working on, she was a senior policy advisor in the Canadian government. And Tara, um, we'd been working, we'd been praying for her for a long time. A long time. How many know that sometimes when you sow seeds, you want them to bear fruit really quickly? But it's like you wait and you wait and you wait and you wait Tara had been waiting on this individual. We've been praying for about seven years for her co-worker. She was chief policy advisor in the whole government. Watoto was coming, and, and, I, and Tara's like, I'm inviting Sandy. Sandy had been divorced. She was on her second marriage. Her husband had been married multiple times, and they hadn't been to a church in an entire lifetime. Their kids had never been to church, but they came that Sunday. We were praying, I, we were doing our Pentecostal prayer service at the start, and Sandy and her husband come in, and they thought, where in the world have we come? They're speaking, what are they speaking? Is it like something from Star Trek? You know, and they had no idea. So they came down, and I saw the apprehension. I saw the apprehension. But as soon as those children began to sing, and to declare the name of of Jesus, tears started to roll down Sandy's face, and I thought, Lord, this is you. Yes, Watoto are here sharing the gospel, but Lord, Tara's been loving her for a long time, and those seeds are being harvested. God changed Sandy's life that day. She'll never be the same. When you are loving God with margin in your life and you are sowing seed, watch what the Spirit of God will do. I tell you today and I speak, I speak humbly, but I, I agree with every parent that's believing for children to come home. I believe for every grandparent for the prodigal. I believe for every parent right now in Rainbow Kids that they will grow up knowing the Lord Jesus Christ all the days of their life. I'm praying for every family 
struggling into a marriage, that fruit and transformation will happen. I'm standing with those right now in the name of Jesus that need that financial breakthrough of, Lord, just give me employment. Ruth was in that very place chasing after God. Align yourselves with others of faith. And I want to tell you today, God is able. He's able to do the exceedingly abundant, more than we could ever dare to ask, or even imagine, he's still God on his throne. And Ruth, a God chaser, went to an old man called Boaz. Well, maybe he was in his 40s or 50s. <laughs> that's not old today. Maybe that's changed in culture. And they got married. And their children had children. And their children had children. And their children until one day, the king of the land came from a couple called Ruth. And Boaz, that of all the places in the world, Ruth the Moab, Moabite lady that was despised, rejected, marginalized. God loves to bring those that are rejected and raise them up. For those that humble themselves before God, he will raise up in the sight of man. I want to tell you today, his best days are yet ahead. And if you take the seed in your life, your time, your family, and you dedicate them to God, watch what God will do by the power of His Spirit. Thank you for loving Watoto. Thank you for loving those that a world away you are sowing seed into. I believe that Ruth's and David's and Solomon's are emerging from those seeds that you're sowing. I also want to commend you today that as you live your life in Whitburn and this part of the world, that in your friendships, your families, your relationships, you look at the margin and say, Lord, would you supernaturally breathe upon these areas of my life? Could we stand together today? Would that be okay, Pastor Stevie? Just to pray for a few moments right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just take a little moment right now, wherever you are in life. Maybe you're, you're 17, maybe you're 25, maybe you're 39. Maybe you're in your 40s, your 50s, maybe you're in your 80s or even 90s today. God desires to walk with you. God desires to bring increase and goodness into your life. Some of you this morning, perhaps like Boaz, have been sowing faithfully in a worthy way for a long time. I want to tell you, there's no chance. But trust God, there's going to be divine connections that are going to happen. There's going to be people that are brought into your life that are going to change things. There's going to be favor that rests upon your life. I want to call some of you today you might say, Jonathan, I, I've been living life so busy, I haven't been taking notice. And the Spirit of God saying to you today, recognize those around you. Recognize the vulnerable in your school. Recognize the vulnerable in your workplace. And watch what God will do through love. Watch what God will do through kindness. Watch how the Spirit of God will work through your generosity, listening to how they're doing. 
I, I think that God's got some people today that God's given you an amazing ear to listen to others. That God's given you the amazing ability of time to, to sit and to listen. And I'd say, don't give up. Because something's happening in the heart of that in whom they're pouring out their hearts to you. The days aren't yet far ahead where God will do something special. Thank you, Lord. If you're in need today, if you'd like prayer just for some of those things, maybe just with eyes closed right now, and you would say, Jonathan, I've got seed, seed of time, seed of time, and I want to start giving more of my time back to Jesus. Would you just lift your hand right now? I'm feeling it more in time than anything else. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. See, Father, I thank you for hands raised right now. I thank you, Lord, for everyone right now saying, Lord, I'm going to set aside time for you. Lord, you told your church to wait in Jerusalem. Father, I thank you that as, as they're, they're considering their weekly schedules, as they're considering what they're committing to, that Lord, I thank you for a fresh start right now. I thank you time where you are there first. Lord, I thank you where they feel the stress of time, that that weight would be lifted off right now. And knowing that you have ordained every day in your book. Lord, I pray that the pressure, the weight, the anxiety of time would be lifted off. And I pray that as they spend time with you, that they would be refreshed, that they would be renewed, that as margin is in their life for you, that you would do supernatural, amazing, and over beyond things. Lord, Father, bring them to friendships that will be life-giving in their time. Bring them, Lord, and I thank you for this day. I thank you for the time that we've had to gather together here. And Father, I thank you for this house. Father, I thank you for Pastor Stevie today. I thank you, Lord, for his family. Lord, just giving leadership in this house. Would you bless Pastor today in his home? Would you bless them in a special way? Father, thank you for the love and the openness in this house. And Lord, we just believe and we call on you right now in the name of Jesus. And we ask for salvations in Whitburn. We pray right now that you will save souls and bring them into the kingdom of God. I pray that as there's an open heaven in this house, that Lord, those even as they walk by will be convicted by the Spirit of the Lord. Lord, I pray for a boldness and favor to come upon this house and it would impact Whitburn and beyond. And we ask it all in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen, 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 amen.